Hello, this is Jerry Hendricks. And Adrian Hendricks of Save One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and to human life than to reject His eternal salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Today we continue our message, Father, We Need You, following our key points from last week's message. In the process of doing research for this message, we found several sources outlining strategies to destroy the family for the purpose of destroying human society as a collection of independent, self-directed individuals. The enemies of God intended to turn people made in God's image into mindless, soulless animals that are herded, bred, and consumed as commodities. We saw that some of the stated objectives were to gain control of institutions such as government, media, and even churches to convince men and women to have continual hostility among themselves, convince people to destroy their marriages, convince people to engage in multiple casual sexual liaisons at first between men and women, then among the same sexes, eventually teaching children to do the same, convince women to leave care of their children to others, convince women to demand and have abortions, convince people that hordes of fatherless children was a good thing, convince people to downplay and eliminate differences between men and women, convince women to drive fathers from families, convince people to demand that the government protect them because once men are effectively removed, the only real protection for women and children from the government that will use them all for its purposes is gone. All of these plans are working to eliminate institutions that hold societies together by first destroying families and by association the church. They deny the existence of God and the validity of the Bible, but the Bible says this about that kind of destruction at Psalm chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. Look, the wicked have bent their bow and placed their arrow on the string to shoot from the darkness at the upright in heart. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Does any of this sound familiar? Those who are considered baby boomers born between 1946 and 1964 may remember when some of these changes began to appear. We were stunned to see that the enemy had laid out and followed such a clear playbook for the destruction of what God made. But we shouldn't have been. Take a look around. Do you see any of this taking place in your families, neighborhoods, and cities today? There are more children growing up, especially in minority communities and one-parent families, than there are with both a mother and a father present. One of the most prevalent problems in communities is gangs, mostly comprised of fatherless boys. The wicked plan seems to be gaining success. In their book, The Boy Crisis, Warren Farrell and John Gray ask the question, why are dads so important? Here are a few of the impacts they published, which we bring to you by permission. School achievement. A study of boys from similar backgrounds revealed that by the third grade, the boys whose fathers were present scored higher on every achievement test and received higher grades. School dropouts. The more years children spend with no or minimal father involvement, the fewer years of school they complete. 71% of high school dropouts have minimal or no father involvement. 
Suicide. Living in a home without a dad is more highly correlated with suicide among children and teenagers than any other factor. Drugs. Father involvement is at least five times more important in preventing drug use than closeness to parent, parental rules, parent trust or strictness, and is a stronger determining factor than the child's gender, ethnicity, or social class. Homelessness. Around 90% of runaway and homeless youths are from fatherless homes. Victimization. Children between 10 and 17 living without their biological dad were more likely to be victims of child abuse, major violence, sexual assault, and domestic violence. Violent crime. Every 1% increase in fatherlessness in a neighborhood predicts a 3% increase in adolescent violence. Rape. Among rapists who were specifically assessed as raping out of anger and rage, 80% came from father-absent homes. Poverty and mobility. Children who were born poor and raised by both married parents had an 80% chance of moving to the middle class or above. Conversely, children who were born into the middle class and raised without a married dad were almost four times as likely to end up considerably poor. Trust. The more contact children have with their dads, the more easily they make open, receptive, and trusting contact with new people in their lives. Empathy. The amount of time a father spends with a child is one of the strongest predictors of the child's ability to empathize in adulthood. The reason this is a crisis with the boy population is that boys grow up to be men, husbands, and fathers. And absent fathers or abusive fathers exemplify an absent or abusive heavenly father. Men, husbands, fathers, we cannot and we must not let this continue. Fathers, we are needed more right now than ever before. Our families, our homes, and our societies are being destroyed right before our eyes. Another one out of many questions asked in the boy crisis was this. When the biological father is missing, can God the Father help? Warren Farrell explains his answer. After giving a sermon workshop at St. Paul Community Baptist Church in one of the country's poorest communities, Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn, I met with a few men's groups the church had sponsored. Of the approximately 25 young African-American boys, about 20 had four more things in common. They had little or no time with their dad. They spent time in jail. They found Christ and a strong church community with a committed reverend. They felt inspired to discipline themselves toward constructive rather than destructive lives. Did faith in God help these young men? Yes. Almost all the young men said that they would still be involved in the life that landed them in jail if they had not been redirected by their faith in God the Father. I saw in that experience how dad deprivation seems to engender spiritual deprivation. The guidance, approval, and boundary voids the boys felt from their father's absence led to their receptivity to guidance, approval, and boundaries from gang leaders and other pseudo-authorities, as we saw earlier in the case of ISIS. The Bedford-Stuyvesant community was one of the most dangerous in the country. 
when Reverend Jerry Youngblood came in and organized a strong church community with a strong message, he offered the boys the guidance, approval, and boundaries that helped fill the void. Implied here is the powerful influence for good that can come from the Christian community, but this is not generally reflected in our society at large. In fact, it appears that we have, to a great extent, abandoned God in every area of our lives. God told His people in Deuteronomy chapter 28 what would happen if they abandoned Him. Here are a few verses to remind us, starting at verse 15. But if you disobey the Lord your God and do not faithfully keep all His commandments and laws that I am giving you today, all these evil things will happen to you. The Lord will curse your towns and your fields. The Lord will curse your grain crops and the food you prepare from them. The Lord will curse you by giving you only a few children, poor crops, and few cattle and sheep. The Lord will curse everything you do. You will be engaged to a young woman, but someone else will marry her. You will build a house, but never live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but never eat its grapes. Your sufferings will make you lose your mind. The Lord will cover your legs with incurable, painful sores. Boils will cover you from head to foot. You will have sons and daughters, but you will lose them because they will be taken away as prisoners of war. All your trees and crops will be devoured by insects. Foreigners who live in your land will gain more and more power while you gradually lose yours. They will have money to lend you, but you will have none to lend them. In the end, they will be your rulers. All these disasters will come on you, and they will be with you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and keep all the laws that He gave you. They will be the evidence of God's judgment on you and your descendants forever. The Lord blessed you in every way, but you would not serve Him with glad and joyful hearts. So then, you will serve the enemies that the Lord is going to send against you. You will be hungry, thirsty, and naked, in need of everything. The Lord will oppress you harshly until you are destroyed. The Lord will bring against you a nation from the ends of the earth, a nation whose language you do not know. They will swoop down on you like an eagle. They will be ruthless and show no mercy to anyone, young or old. They will eat your livestock and your crops, and you will starve to death. They will not leave you any grain, wine, olive oil, cattle, or sheep, and you will die. They will attack every town in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and the high, fortified walls in which you trust will fall. When your enemies are besieging your towns, you will become so desperate for food that you will even eat the children that the Lord your God has given you. Even the most refined man of noble birth will become so desperate during the siege that he will eat some of his own children because he has no other food. He will not even give any to his brother or to the wife he loves or to any of his children who are left. Even the most refined woman of noble birth, so rich that she has never had to walk anywhere, will behave in the same way. When the enemy besieges her town, she will become so desperate for food that she will secretly eat her newborn child and the afterbirth as well. She will not share them with the husband she loves or with any of her children. You will find no peace anywhere, no place to call your own. The Lord will overwhelm you with anxiety, hopelessness, and despair. Your life will always be in danger. Day and night you will be filled with terror and you will live in constant fear of death. Your hearts will pound with fear at everything you see. 
every morning you will wish for evening, every evening you will wish for morning. Many ministers choose not to talk about the issues we are experiencing with our boys and men because they believe bringing these things up to their congregations do little to fill their pews or their offering plates. Those who know better but choose to keep silent will not be held faultless. Jeremiah 23 declares many woes to pastors who do not shepherd their flocks faithfully, who do not bring them the true word of God. If you are a minister and have kept silent about the epidemic of godlessness in our society and in your congregation, God knows all this and you will be called to account. Those of us called to minister the word of God, as Paul instructed Timothy, must resist the pressure to preach a social gospel which makes people feel good about themselves regardless of their lifestyles that completely disregard the word of God. Disdain for God's calling on our lives to preach his word leads to every form of destruction. The 19th century pastor Charles Finney said, Brethren, our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits. If immorality prevails in the land, the fault is ours in a great degree. If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discernment, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of this nation. The Apostle Paul told his protege at 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 to herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and ready, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is welcome or unwelcome. You as preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging and encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. Men, husbands, and fathers, and you who minister the gospel, we must have reverent fear of the Lord who calls us to a holy life in Jesus Christ. He instructed us to be holy, for he is holy. We read at 1 Peter 1, verse 16, Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Moreover, we must insist that females are respected for who God created them to be. When men live according to God's word and truly carry the pure nature of Jesus Christ, our societies will be much different places and they will show forth what God intended. Speaking on our role as men, fathers, and husbands, Dr. Michael L. Williams states, We are to be the physical providers. God put man in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. This establishes him as a provider, which requires that the father or husband, not the government, must work to provide for his wife and children. The word husband means occupier and tiller of the soil. Dr. Williams goes on to say, 
A husband must be chaste, sexually faithful to his wife, and provide for her sexual needs, and likewise the wife to her husband. Both the husband and wife should abstain from things that might lead them to be physically attractive to someone else other than their mate. Husbands and fathers are to be spiritual leaders of their families. The husband is to be the head of his household, which requires that the husband and father be present. The husband and father must model Jesus Christ to his wife and children. This is because Christ is the cornerstone and the word of God, the foundation of all that we say and do. A husband must fulfill his role motivated by his love of Jesus Christ, who inspires us men to sacrifice ourselves out of appreciation for him saving us. We read at Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, Therefore, brothers, I exalt you through the compassions of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your intelligent service. And do not fashion yourselves after this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. Fathers and husbands, Ephesians 5, 21 through 32 says that marriage is a model of the relationship between Christ and the church. Verse 21, which is not often referenced, says married couples are to submit to each other out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Dr. Williams says the husband must love his wife first, Ephesians 5, 25, like Christ loved us, the church, first at 1 John 4, 19. He does this by inspiring his wife, not intimidating her. Like a farmer who patiently plants the seeds and nurtures the crops, a husband must patiently plant the seeds of God's word and nurture his wife. Nurture means to promote growth, education, and instruction. In order for these things to happen, the husband must spend time with his wife. In summary, the husband and father is tasked with the role of being a provider, spiritual leader, and head of his household for his wife and family. He places the needs of his wife and family above his own and providing for them. In doing so, he glorifies God by modeling the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Love for the Word of God must be cultivated in us all. Psalm 119, verses 11 through 16 read, Your word have I laid up in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your word. With my lips have I declared and recounted all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts, your word, and have respect to your ways, the paths of life marked out by your law, by your word. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. A key remedy and potent counter strategy is to choose the right role model. We live in a day when many men, women, boys, and girls are looking for role models to help put light on situations or give them directions in life. We must be careful, for many counterfeit role models are diligently working to get your attention and ultimately you for no good purpose. Their desire is for you to approve of and imitate their way of life. These include, but are not limited to, actors and actresses, sports figures, entertainers, educators, and even those who minister the gospel. Many are not authentic. 
They lead counterfeit lives that are contrary to the Word of God. Jesus is the standard by which everything else is measured. We men, husbands, and fathers would do well to educate ourselves about our Creator God and allow Him to be our role model. He is real and can be trusted. Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, is God in the flesh. Truly, He is the only one who has a total vested interest in each of us, desiring only the best for us. There is nothing counterfeit about Him. This education process is accomplished through spending time with Him in worship, meditation, praise, reading His Word, and in conversation. Spending time with Him is critically important since He is the one we are living for and with whom we will spend eternity. Men, Jesus must become the love of our lives. Often in our search, we look past the only perfect role model, God our Creator, who has given us Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who is God in the flesh. Day after day, we witness the human carnality of worldly role models. To the dismay of those who follow them, the clay feet are exposed and the frailties are revealed and disappointment grabs hold. When Jesus is our role model, however, we are never disappointed. Why? He will not abandon us. He is always with us. Nothing surprises Him. He is never caught off guard. He is all-knowing. Nothing enters your life without His knowledge and permission. He is all-powerful. He can be trusted today, tomorrow, and always. He is unchangeable. He desires only the best for us. He is long-suffering. He is merciful and full of grace even when we make a mess of things. He is there to lead us to restoration. Men, husbands, and fathers, choose your life role model carefully. Others are watching very intently and will follow you. As you decide, consider Jesus Christ and the tremendous price he paid to forgive you and the world of its sins. He has paid the sin debt with his blood on the cross. If you have not yet done so, commit your life to him today. Let him know that you are repenting of everything standing between you and him and that you are asking him, Jesus, to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Make a commitment to walk in holiness and righteousness. Jesus is waiting and he extends an invitation to you to become a member of his family today. If this message evokes bad feelings and memories of past experiences, we're sorry for that. What we can tell you, though, with absolute certainty, is that it was never God's plan for the time with your father or father figure to be one of abuse, neglect, pain, or sorrow. God is assuredly nothing like any of that. He is not a monster. He is the kindest, most tender, loving Father anyone could ever hope to have and wants you to know He is waiting for you to accept His invitation to be His child. It is not too late to tell Him, wherever you are and however you find yourself, Father, I need you. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God God gives life. God God is good. good.